lot of people think this hadith, which says that read the, the, that it will be said to a half is of the Quran in Arabic, right? It says that read and continue to upgrade yourself and ascend, and your final place is where you end, where you stop reading. Ulama say that this is not necessarily reserved for half is only. It's also for those who read the Quran and know what they're doing with the Quran. So if you read the Quran and you start understanding it and you have that connection with the Quran, you can be called an Ashabul Quran. Practitioners of the Quran. People related to the Quran. Can we be called people of the Quran today? Because we believe in it. In that sense, yes. But in terms of like he knows his BMWs, he knows his Apple products, take it to him, he'll know. That guy knows his BMs. Right? Don't come to me, but go to a BM guy if you've got a BM problem. That's what I'm talking Go to a person of the Quran. Who's going to be considered that? Mashallah, this guy, he, he is, he's always reading the Quran. In his conversations, you won't have to just talk about what you read on WhatsApp then. All of those weird forwards you get on WhatsApp. It'll be Quran, inshallah. So that's the benefit of that. So it's for all of us. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. الحمد لله الذي تواضع لعظمته كل شيء الحمد لله الذي استسلم لقدرته كل شيء الحمد لله الذي ذل لعزته كل شيء الحمد لله الذي خضع لملكه كل شيء فلك الحمد والشكر يا ربي ما رك أراك لجلالك وسجد وما دب على وجه البسيطة من أحد وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله الواحد الأحد الفرد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله My dear brothers and sisters, our dear children Allah make this task easy this is a very auspicious occasion. I don't know how many Quran khatams you have, but this one seems to be quite special because of, mashallah, the age of the child who's completed. Um, Alhamdulillah, historically, we've had children who finished at the age of five and six. But definitely in England, with everything else and the obligation to go to school and uh, all the other distractions that this modern world or the current times bring to us. This is definitely an amazing occasion that, mashallah, such a young child has completed the memorization of the Quran. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow that to continue. And may he be allowed to memorize many, many more things. So we hear about many things of the past, many people of the past who memorize the Quran in a short amount of time, for example. And we think that that's something only past people could do. But it's definitely something, humans are still made the same way by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's just our surrounding is a bit different to what used to be in the past. There used to be less distractions in the past. Would you agree that we are living in probably the most dis distracted times? Even a hundred years ago, you did not have the number of distractions available to you at your fingertips that we have now. Um, those times if you wanted to go and get some kind of entertainment, you'd have to go out of your house and go to some 
bazaar or some central location and hope there was a clown there or somebody there to entertain you because there wasn't a show taking place all the time but now literally on your fingertips you can have as many shows as you want in the privacy of your room with as many people you want watching as you want and it's so difficult that it's so difficult to stay away from it it's so difficult to avoid it so distraction is abound distraction is the name of the day and I think everybody knows that so with this, it becomes difficult because then what do you focus on? That's where things become difficult. Also, another benefit is that, alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us in this country that we have so many ulama, so many alims who are literally teaching the hadith because it's difficult for children to memorize on their own. It is difficult for many children to memorize with a teacher. And even more so, it's difficult to memorize on your own. Very few people would memorize on their own compared to how many would memorize with the teacher. So you need teachers with dedication. You need parents with dedication. Because there's a, in, a, in a child becoming, in most children who memorize the Quran, parents play one of the biggest parts. That, that's from experience I'm telling you. Very seldom is it going to be that you're going to have somebody just inspired, a five-year-old kid inspired or a ten-year-old child inspired that I want to do hips, I don't care what my parents say. You get that. It's not impossible. But... Most of the time, it's the parents who give a routine, who give a timetable, who give the support, who give the backbone. So, mashallah, that's why it's quite amazing that there is a hadith which says that any who, anybody who memorizes, a, memorizes the whole Qur'an, they get to intercede on the Day of Judgment for 10 people. For 10 people. Now, one of the ways that I want to maximize my chance of being interceded for is that when you see a child doing hifz of the Qur'an, you give them some encouragement, give them 10 pounds or 20 pounds. I guess the more you give them, they might just remember you and they might include you in the 10. Because that's going to be quite competitive. You know the 10 people they can intercede for? That's going to be quite competitive, right? Because by the end of your life, you know, you, you're going to have a lot of people. So I'm thinking that if I can, mashallah, get this child to remember me, right? Um, just remember that I'm the one who came and spoke at your khatam. <laughs> so then, alhamdulillah, you know, then if it doesn't work in some other place, it works through him, inshallah. We have to maximize our chances to, to get success. L literally, that's what it is. We want to maximize our chances. We can't put our eggs in one basket because we don't know if it's going to be accepted or not. So I don't trust my actions enough, so I'm hoping that somebody's intercession may work. Subhanallah. So that's why this becomes a more of a communal effort in that sense as well. But memorizing the Quran is not just something we do to get a crown on your head for the parents or to get intercession. That's just additional perks. There are so many benefits related to memorizing the Quran. And that's what people don't understand. The brain is a muscle. And I have seen multiple hafiz of the Quran that are straight A students, even if they're not interested in GCSE. Once you memorize the Qur'an, especially at a young age, you know how to use your brain. You can then literally pass anything you want. You can literally then go and take whatever you want and, mashallah, ace it, as they say. You know how to use your brain. It should not stop there. The people of the past used to memorize lots of things. And there's only, I mean, this is maybe a very specific thing that my teachers who taught me the Hibs and the Alim course, after Hibs, the only, I only have one complaint against them. And I say this compassionately. I have a compassionate complaint, which is that I wish they made me, after Hibs of the Quran, memorize a lot more stuff.
because I could memorize. I can't memorize anymore as much as I could at that time. And it didn't really take much away from me. It wouldn't have taken much away from me. But today, whatever you memorize is your knowledge. Especially as a scholar, the more you memorize, the better it is. So you don't have to consult notes. And you, you just have it all in your, uh, in, your, in your brain. So mashallah, still today, Allah is still creating human be- beings. Right? With the similar kind of brains. Like the people like Imam Bukhari had. Right? Like um, the way uh, all of these great scholars that we've had. We're still getting the same brains. It's just that outside the environment is not the same. And that's changed a lot. That's why parents will play the biggest role of making sure that they moderate that environment and create it to be conducive and appropriate for the children. Now, there's an unfortunate idea that in order to survive in this world, you have to get a good degree. Some of our wealthiest don't have degrees. So that's number one. I'm not here to discourage you from degrees or universities. So don't get me wrong. I have a PhD. I've done it all. Okay? So I'm not here to tell you that that's not a good thing. But what I am here to tell you is that you don't want to be putting your eggs in all the one basket. And it's not just about this world. As Muslims, as, as you can see how Muslims are dealing with, with affairs, what really matters is the hereafter. Now imagine if you are told to leave from your home to safer areas. And as you're going in that direction, you get bombed. Even though you've been given assurance and you get bombed. What is the point of this world then? What guarantee is there of success in this world? Now imagine these same people who don't find anywhere to go because they're in an open air prison, for example. They've got nowhere to go. What hope do they have? If you did not have hope in Allah and if you did not have hope in another life, then imagine where, what kind of depression. There's already depression. But imagine what kind of increased despondency and depression that would lead to. That this is a miserable world. It's a miserable life that we're living. We're suffering this plight and this difficulty and we don't even have any hope to look forward to. Alhamdulillah, Allah has given us this belief. The Qur'an, which is a living book, which gives us this amazing message. That, وَإِنَّ الْآخِرَةَ لَهِيَ الْحَيَوَانِ it's the hereafter which is your real life. The hereafter is the real life. We don't come in this world and hope to die straight away and try to get ourselves killed. That's not what we do. That's not encouraged in Islam. Murdering yourself is actually haram. Suicide is haram. We don't live to die, though we do, do live to die. In the sense that we will all die. Nobody lives forever. But our real life is the preparation for that life of the hereafter. We're given this life for us to prepare for the hereafter. So even if this life has been miserable from a worldly perspective, miserable in the sense that we never got peace, we never got accomplishment, as long as we've done enough to accomplish for the next world, then we are successful because that world is forever. That's why believers will always have something to look forward to. That's only what keeps people going. Otherwise, the suffering of these people for 50, 60, 70 years... (laughs) It would have been all finished and done with. Like, what's the point of it? But the thing that has kept them going is their faith. Is their faith that we are rewarded for our struggle. We're rewarded for our struggle. Now, we think we are sitting safe here. And alhamdulillah, we've been safe. And we ask Allah to keep us safe. So there's, we're not trying to say that we're calling a calamity upon us. 
But the way the world is going and things are changing, it doesn't always remain the same. We just need to be prepared that if we do and when we die, because that's just about when it's going to happen, because we're all going to die, even if we die in the safest place, even if we die in the most comfortable of environments, with everybody around us, but ultimately what matters is the way our death will be and what comes in the afterlife, and that will all start in the grave. How is that going to be? Have we got enough prepared? Have we got enough sent forward? Have we, do we have sufficient provision to take there? Because that life is going to be forever. And the problem is once you get there, then what matters is what we've already sent forward. You can't do anything there to earn an extra level or an upgrade. It's all here. You can't pull any strings there unless you've already pulled the strings in this world and got people connected, as the, our righteous people have, where they would literally... Imam Sha'rani, one of the great scholars of Egypt, he says in his Adab al-Suhbah that true companions are those who will encourage and do wasiyah to one another that in the hereafter, look out for me. In the hereafter, that's where I really want you to look after me. Look out for me. If you don't see me around, you need to come and find me and intercede for me. You need, if you are successful, mashallah, you need to find me and try to take me as well. Because Allah will give the ability, the intercession rights to certain righteous people that they can help other people who may be destined for the hellfire. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us this Qur'an. And the wonderful thing about the Qur'an is that there's many hadith regarding it, how it's directly connected to the hereafter, the Qur'an being directly connected hereafter. It's the one thing which is the most important element of our faith. Our entire faith is in the Qur'an. Without the Qur'an, we don't have a faith. Because that's the manual. That is the blueprint of our faith. The Prophet wasallam and the Hadith are all there to explain the Qur'an. So the Qur'an is the most important thing. The Qur'an is available in Arabic. The Qur'an is available in every language that anybody sitting here speaks. But the unfortunate question is that the Qur'an is seen as this book that lawyers use. So you know when you go to a lawyer and you pay them 200 and 300 pounds for half an hour to write you a letter. The reason why they can charge you that much is because they look in all of those books that sit behind them on their bookshelves. All of these big tomes of very deep, profound legal statutes and law, which you and I can't read if you... Even if you read good English, it's difficult to read that because there's a certain way of reading that. They can charge that much. We think the Qur'an is like that. It's only for ulama. It's only for some special people. And I'm not saying that this is only people who are non-Arabs. They think like that. Even Arabs think like that. Although they can directly understand that. They think it's something special that nobody can... We don't have access to. I'm not good enough for that. Never even... It's not even on the radar. That, that's... I mean... Um, I'm, not, I'm not doing this to show ourselves up Because we're all including this My question is that uh, If we have a show of hands here Of how many people have genuinely had an ambition to They've started reading the Quran With the ambition that they're going to complete reading it with meaning Not just reading the Arabic MashaAllah we have many people who read the Arabic a lot In, in Ramadan they'll, they'll finish off three, four, five, seven. Khatams, mashallah, alhamdulillah, that's amazing. But how many of us have actually 
started reading it or have read it with the meaning at least once. Let's have some hands, aside from the scholars, let's have some hands, mashallah. One, two, don't let Wembley down. Wembley, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in Wembley. And I want some Quran happening in Wembley as well, right? Um, so that's about four people that I saw. Maybe just for good measures, just say five people out of the whole congregation who have read the Quran. I'm not sure if they finished it or not, but they've started reading or they've read the Quran. That's a really sad case. Because you know the Quran is not this deep book for nobody to access. Yes, it's deep though. But the majority of it is easy. It's conversation. The, the majority of the Quran, in fact all of the Quran is a conversation. Conversation between our Creator and us. And the way it's written, you won't even think that it's written for somebody else. You'll actually start reading and thinking, He's talking to me. That's the amazing way. You know, the Quran is so eloquent. Uh, eloquent means it's so amazing in its delivery. You know, you read a piece, right? You read a piece of writing and it's so convincing, it's so effective, it's so moving. Right? Some, some pieces are very dry and they're like, you struggle to understand what they're saying. And you think, man, he could have said it easily, could have said it in an easier way. The Quran, despite being Allah's words and so complex in, this, in, the, in that sense, so sophisticated, it is so easy to understand the majority of it. We're not telling you to read the Quran so you can give fatwas and start saying you're better than everybody else. That's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is that I want to know, I want to know what Allah, my God, says to me. He knows everything about me. He's the one who created me, created everything in the world for me. So I want to know what he's telling me. And you know what? You'll see how your life will change. The people who start reading the Quran, they start becoming wiser people because all the wisdom is in the Quran. I'm not just saying this as a statement. Of course, the wisdom is in the Quran. But it genuinely is, and it's for you, it's there available for you. And all you have to do is you take a translation of the Quran whether on your phone or otherwise, and just read casually a page a day. Just read. In English, Urdu, Pashto, if Pashto poige, you read Pashto, Punjabi, whichever language excites you the most, get a translation and just read and reflect. You'll see what Allah is saying. You'll see what Allah wants. You'll see what Allah dislikes. You'll see what Allah is encouraging. You'll see what He's discouraging. You'll see how He deals with people. Multiple stories of how He deals with people. How he literally piles on rewards for those that do good. And how he punishes and warns those who do evil. He shows you what's going to happen in the future. He tells you what's happened in the past. He tells you how you should look around the world and what is available around you in the heavens and the earth. And what Allah, the purpose of these things. And yes, we keep getting distracted with other things that we see around us. But the Quran will ground us again. It'll come and give us a grounding and a force of moderation to understand what really life is about. So, how can we, how can we go from this earth and say to Allah, we didn't even bother reading what you told us to read. Your message to us, we didn't bother reading it really. So I didn't open that email. Sometimes it happens, I get multiple messages on WhatsApp or email. And then I get a call from, you know, the brother... Have you read my email yet? I'm so apologetic. Like, I'm really sorry. I did see it, but I was so busy I didn't get to read it. How do they feel? Right? I mean, unless they know that you're like a super busy person and they are willing to respect that, they're going to think you just, just don't care about them. Allah knows us 
uh, we know the importance of this. And he's going to say, did you open my email? I read the, I read the heading, Al-Quran Al-Kareem, but I didn't bother reading inside. And, you know, I, I don't want to make this like a blame game, really. I, that's not what I'm here for. I'm not trying to make people feel guilty. I'm trying to inspire that. When you read the Quran like that, it's just absolutely amazing. You'll change your life, you know, the misery in your life. Because even if you're a successful individual from a worldly perspective, where you've got a good job and you've got a good car and you've got a good house and good family and all the rest of it, inside the turmoil that's inside, that can never be quenched without Allah. Only Allah and His dhikr and His reminders and remembrance gives you the inner comfort. Outer comfort, mashallah. But the outer comfort is of no use unless there's an inner comfort. And that's, how, that's what people found with this. And I've spoken to multiple regular people who started reading the Quran and there's just something else about them. There's a wis- wisdom. They start to talk a lot more sense. They are, mashallah, they, are, they, they, they do a lot more. So, when the reason why the Quran is so important because it's Allah's words. Allah is Allah. I don't need to. I don't need to explain who Allah is. Allah is sending the Quran. He sends it to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, his most beloved. He sends it to this ummah, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said about this ummah, "Nahnu al-akhirun as-sabiqun," though we're the last ones to come. In the order of nations to come after all the prophets, we will be sabiqun on that no ummah will be able to enter paradise before the people you and I, inshallah, if we're inshallah destined for paradise, will enter paradise. We get first choice into paradise because we are the ummati of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, though we came last. Another fadila of this ummah, another virtue of this ummah, is that the nations before us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, do this, do this, and I'll give you this much reward. They did it, and Allah gave them the exact measure of reward. With the, with the Muslims, Allah said, do this, do this, and I'll give you double measure of reward. He's just doubled the measure of reward. He's multiplied it. The others, they complained. They said, how come you're giving them double? They said, well, did I, Allah, will rep- uh, Allah has replied, that did I give you, did I shortchange you in any way? I gave you what I promised. I, you said, I, I promised you a measure of reward. So I'm giving you that measure. I'm not, I haven't, I'm not giving you any decrease. I'm not taking away from you to give. But the others, I'm just giving extra. It's a bonus. I like them. Nothing wrong with that. Allah can give a bonus to whom He wills. That's what Allah has promised this ummah. But for us individually, because the, this ummah is going to carry on, right? And for the Hafiz of the Qur'an, usually we associate this particular hadith that it will be said to the Hafiz of the Qur'an that you start reading. Start reading. And every ayah you read, you take an additional step getting upgrades in paradise. Over 6,000 verses, there's that many upgrades. How, how that's divided, Allah knows best. But all we do know is that the higher you go, the better the, the, the paradise. Right? If you've stayed in five-star hotels, the best room is the penthouse usually. And the higher floors are better because there's less noise up there. They make them slightly better. Right? Usually, maybe the worst in the case of a fire. But definitely in the case of luxury, it's, it's higher up, usually. Right? With, however, with the paradise, there is no fire. You know, there are no hazards. When the Prophet ﷺ was taken on his ascension, he was shown paradise and everything. And then after that, he looked up 
and he saw in the place that you would see stars, as far as that, which are millions of miles away, he saw something shining up there. He said, what is that? He said, that's your abode in paradise. Can I go and check it out? No, you're not, it's not time yet. That's how it is. They say that for just a certain group of people, paradise has a hundred levels. A certain, that's a certain paradise. Not all paradise. A certain paradise, there's, you can just say, a hundred level paradise. When we say hundred levels, you know, a hundred story building is what we think of. But this is not a hundred stories in that sense. Each, between each two stories, and sorry you guys, what I mean by story is different flaws. Okay, because these guys won't understand story. Okay. In this building, this is one story, and that's another story. Nobody's saying any stories up there. Okay, but um, flaws or levels are called stories as well. I don't know why they call them that. I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm as confused as you are, but at least you know now what it is. Okay? Mashallah, uh, when, when our children sit with us, when our children sit with us, we have to have them involved, otherwise they fall asleep. And then, you know. So as long as you understand what's going on. So what it says is that there's a hundred levels. And then it describes the hundred levels. Between every two levels of these hundred will be the similar size between the heavens and the earth. You know, when you go outside and you look up at the skies, that is all one person on that one level. You get one level. And there's a lot of real estate up there. Because it says that the absolute last person out of paradise, literally the last person who was the greatest sinning person, but who had la ilaha illallah. And I don't know which ummah that was from. This is from all the ummahs. The worst individual who literally did nothing except probably just believe la ilaha illallah. Did nothing. He's the worst of them. He finally comes out of hellfire after fulfilling his term in prison. Right? And there's a whole story about that. And then finally when he gets into paradise, when he enters paradise and Allah says, okay, now, there's multiple hadith, says, okay, I want you to start asking for whatever you want. Tamanna, start asking and desiring whatever you want. So he says, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And he just can't think anymore. Allah says, some more. Finally, Allah says, I'll give you everything. Literally, he gives him ten times the size of this world, according to one narration. And the other narration says, one times the size of this world. Now, either way, that's big enough. You, to yourself, will get the size of this world. That includes Australia, by the way. And New Zealand, all of that area. It includes all of that. For one person. The other hadith, Abu Sa'id al-Khudi, they had a bit of a difference of opinion on this. It's said ten times the size. How do you get that? There's a lot of real estate up there. Allah will give that to the last person out of hellfire. So imagine all the other people who, are, who did a bit of stuff at least, who used to come to the masjid, who used to pray, who did some. They, Allah has a lot of space. And that's a special place that he's created for this. So, the Qur'an is definitely one way. Now, a lot of people think this hadith, which says that read the, the, that it will be said to a hafiz of the Qur'an in Arabic, right? It says that read and continue to upgrade yourself and ascend, and your final place is where you end, where you stop reading. Ulama say that this is not necessarily reserved for hafiz only. It's also for those 
who read the Qur'an and know what they're doing with the Qur'an. So if you read the Qur'an and you start understanding it, and you have that connection with the Qur'an, you can be called an Ashabul Qur'an. Practitioners of the Qur'an. People related to the Qur'an. Can we be called people of the Qur'an today? Because we believe in it. In that sense, yes. But in terms of, like, he knows his BMWs. He knows his Apple products. Take it to him, he'll know. That guy knows his BMs. Right? Don't come to me. But go to a BM guy if you've got a BM problem. That's what I'm talking Go to a person of the Qur'an. Who's going to be considered that? MashaAllah, this guy, he, he is, he's always reading the Qur'an. In his conversations, you won't have to just talk about what you read on WhatsApp then. All of those weird forwards you get on WhatsApp. It'll be Qur'an, inshaAllah. So that's the benefit of that. So it's for all of us. It's for all of us. There's a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And imagine you're in London and somebody said to you, that, you know in Reading, every week there's a Sunday market and they literally give out gold bars for free. You can get one or two gold bars every week, you just have to go there. Now, that would become your business. I mean, who wouldn't go? Two gold bars, I mean, that's a lot of money. In Reading, do you know which market it is? You can check it online. Do you know which market it is? Yeah. There's a special market and you get two gold bars every time you go there. How many have they got? Oh, they got don't worry, they've got loads. There's as many people turn up there, they'll give them to you. That's what the Prophet said. He mentioned the place outside of Medina Munawwara. And he said, Which one of you wants two really fat animals? Really fat animal, meaning really plump. Very well endowed animals that you know are very valuable you just have to learn a verse or two it's equivalent to that that's that's what it is you learn a verse or two of the quran and you get the most valuable property so mashallah when a child has learned that that's a huge amount of value he just has to now understand what he has learned that's the next step now we all memorize, I, sell, I memorize the Qur'an first, then I got to learn what it meant afterwards. And that's fine. That's another way to do it. But it's open to all of us. You don't even have to memorize it. You just have to go and learn what it says. In the comfort of your own homes. You don't even have to go to Reading or Basildon on the other side. Or Hounslow or wherever it is or you know, whatever is outside of London. Right? You just learn it from the council and you get the benefit. So, we've had people who, there was a little kid who was brought in Harun Rashid's court. That is little kid, he's memorized the Qur'an. Now, imagine the miracle of the Qur'an. He says to the kid, or somebody said, okay, read. He didn't want to read because he's into play, but he's memorized the Qur'an. Finally, gave him a sweet. So, he started reading. He can tell what level, what, uh, you know, uh, what age we're talking about. Though the Qur'an is a miracle, an amazing miracle. There are literally, I would say that in some, town, in some boroughs of London or some towns up north as well. Like in Clapton, I would say there's at least, a, if not, there's at least a hundred, half, uh, sorry, a thousand hafiz of the Qur'an. 
Like I can probably say that without any exaggeration because I know families where everybody's half is in the house. Why? Because that HIFS class has just been going for years. I don't know about Wembley. How many Hifas do you have here? Okay, inshallah you'll get there. Clapton is beating you. Right? And, you know, Wembley is more known in the world than Clapton is. You understand? Everybody comes to Wembley. The whole world comes to Wembley, right? For whatever reason they come here. Okay? It, it, it's an effort on behalf of the parents ultimately. Alhamdulillah now, alhamdulillah now, especially, you know, in a lot of the Eastern, especially in the madrasa I teach, we have students there who have memorized the Quran, who are doing alim course, becoming scholars, who at the same time uh, doing PhD at Imperial College, uh, masters at UCL, uh, LSE. One of my students who's become a mufti, he is a LSE graduate, masters from Birmingham, he's doing a PhD in, uh, in Oxford right now. And he's a mufti. So stop limiting Allah's mercy. Stop limiting Allah's qudra. Stop limiting the ability of your students because it was never done in your family. So what if it was not done in your family? Why can't you start? You want to stay dumb forever? Sorry to say that. You know, you get this case of some, mother, uh, some daughter-in-law suffering at the hands and tongue of their mother-in-law. So you go and ask the mother-in-law, why do you do that for? My mother-in-law did the same thing. Right? You go and ask her, if she's still alive. Stop the tradition. Make a change. You know, a lot of people ask me, why do you do what you do? Why did you choose this way? You know, because I left home at the age of 11 to go to a boarding school up north, Darul Ulum. I was 11 and a half. Hadn't finished my primary school. I was in the last year of primary school before secondary school. Right? I cried. I was homesick for a few months, but I never wanted to come back in the sense, we used to come back to London four times a year. I'm sure Malana did the same thing. Right? So when I finished there, my hips and then my alim course in between, I went to India for a year. I was 22 when I graduated. That means half of my life, literally, 11 to 22, I'd spent outside and gone home four times a year. Then after that, I left the country. I got married straight away at 22 and left the country with my wife and went and studied abroad for three years in, other, in South Africa, in Syria, and in India. By the age of 25, I'd stayed more outside of my house than inside. And then I went as an imam to America for eight years. And I'd stayed more, more time outside, obviously. Now... Why did I do that, people ask? So I start thinking, and I used to respond. I said, well, my dad is a Hafiz and an Alim. His father was a Hafiz. His brother is a Hafiz. My mom's father was a Qadi and a Hafiz. And her brother was a Mufti. It kind of runs in the family. Sub doctor hai, maybe doctor ban gaya. You know, as they say. Aapko doctor hi banna hai. Sub doctor you can't. Aapko rishta nahi milega. La hawla wa la illa billah. As though non-doctors don't get rishtas. <laughs> Subhanallah, I've heard of some of our Muslim countries and cultures where there's a whole group of girls who have been through the medical degree but don't practice it. The only reason they did four, five, six years of medical degree with all of that money and effort and whatever is so they could bichari get a rishta from another doctor. That's it. We need doctors, come on, but not in this kind of craze. 
as though nothing else works in this world. You know? May Allah bless our doctors. I'm not putting any doctors down. But I'm just saying the kind of craze and obsession as though nothing else works. Be a doctor. I've got, in our madrasa, we've got two or three doctors who are doctors plus alims. That's what you should do. You want to be a doctor? Be a doctor. Be a hafiz of the Quran as well. Be an alim as well. You can really shine the lights. And these are the two vocations, remember, whether come COVID or no COVID, they're always going to be in demand. Which are the two? Doctors and ulama. People need doctors for medical issues and people need ulama for spiritual issues. And in COVID, that's what happens. Or in any kind of, you know, in any kind of issue. So we need to achieve both. And it's absolutely possible today. Right? It's absolutely possible today. So I started thinking that if I tell people this, that they were all alims, that's why they're going to think, well, my parents, nobody, like in this family, I don't believe there's any other hufas. Right? So then I started thinking, why did I really do it? Because there's lots of people who everybody's a doctor or whatever they are, right? And they refuse, they rebel. They don't want to do, they don't want to be what their parents are or their family is, right? Really, what it really was is that my, I think, Islam, being an hafiz, being an alim was glorified in our home. Whenever we heard of somebody doing hivs, finishing, it's like, mashallah, mashallah. Not like, poor guy man, his, his time, is, we've heard some people that their time is wasted. As though they will suffer in this country. I've never seen anybody suffer by that way in that sense, right? It's amazing, it's ajeeb that we make that. It was no, it was glorified. Wow, I want to do that as well. Then that's what I heard, that's what I want to do. I'll tell you, there's another family very close to me. In the first generation before no hafiz. In that generation now, which is now my age, 40s, 45, 50s, every single boy except I think one is a hafiz of the Quran from all those families. There's like 20 of them. Everybody's a hafiz. Now they're going to make all of their children hafiz. And they're also going to be successful in whatever vocation as engineers or business people or whatever. Khalas. They carry both the world and the akhirah, inshaAllah. So this kind of uh, restricted thinking, that it has to be one way or the other, that has to stop because that's no longer reality. That's shaitan. Because that doesn't have to be like that. Alhamdulillah, our children are phenomenal. They've got the ability to do both. I know two or three hivs guy, people who've memorized the Quran, they just got straight A's in their GCSEs. They just straight A's. They weren't even interested in voting following that path of going and getting a degree. But then after that, I thought, we might as well do that. So they come out with their first as well, in, even as a degree. That hivs of the Quran is amazing. It's your brain. You're just preparing your brain and the Quran, the inspiration in your heart, the light that will shine, the aspiration it will provide. It's absolutely amazing. Get the best of both worlds. Get the best of both worlds. And so... That's why, mashallah, there's so many people now who had no hafiz in the family. Forget hafiz, nobody who prayed properly in the family. Nobody who covered properly in the family. Nobody had a beard in the family. And now, their children are all, they've started a new tradition. We're not going to do dhulm on our daughter-in-laws anymore. We're going to change it. That's just an example. We're not going to carry on doing what they did. Going against culture, though, is very, very difficult. 
it's one of the most difficult things. You have to listen to a lot, but carry on because you're doing it for Allah. And then you'll hear, mashallah, Allah's beautiful voice in the hereafter speaking to you. And it's sadaqah jariya for you because ultimately, if I take an example, are you a grandparent by any chance? Mashallah, how many grandchildren you have? Two. Alhamdulillah, they are your grandchildren. You have brothers and sisters? Okay, but they have children? No. Oh, okay. These are your children. Ultimately, they all come back to you, not to your brothers and sisters. They come back to you. Your, whatever you do now is going to influence them. It's going to lay out a tradition for them. And there's no stopping. From the, inshallah, from the two, there'll be other children that will come. And then we'll be gone, and they will continue to multiply. If we don't set them on the right path, then we haven't done much. But if we set them on the right path, our akhirah is made. Because we've given them, we've created for them an environment. I want my children and my grandchildren to be like this. I have a path. I'll be then gone. They will inshallah continue and multiply and hopefully they'll continue that path. I'm really leaving a legacy inshallah. That's what we want to do. I've done my job now. I've done my best I could. Allah make it easy for us and we go. And then after that they carry on and the iman stays in. And mashallah. And you'll get the best of both worlds, inshallah. You'll get the best of both worlds. You can have your luxury in this world. That's not a problem. You'll just do it in the halal way. That's all. And you'll be, inshallah, at the end of it, you'll feel good about it. That alhamdulillah, I haven't messed up with my deen. I won't feel guilty every time. I need to do something for my akhirah. I need to do something. Because inshallah, we're already doing it. Get your children into it. I was in another... I was in another town in India, a city. Everybody is like really um, advanced there. It's the Silicon Valley, very wealthy people and so on. And they're worried about their children. But they don't want to send them to the traditional madrasas there because most of them are for usually poorer children. So the facilities aren't that great. Right? It's like, what can I do? He's been telling me all the time, what can I do? <coughs> Finally, I think it just hit me. I said, look, if you look at us, when our parents came to this country in the early 70s, late 60s, right? There was nobody to lead the prayers and so on. There were older ulama that they brought, but they were worried about their children, so they sent us to madrasa. That was a mess. My mom cried. Just the way I cried, she cried. Missing her child. Allah bless her, Allah reward her. But that was a sacrifice, not like, I can't bear it anymore, bring him back. Alhamdulillah, it wasn't like that. With a heavy heart, she'll send, right? Sacrifice. I told him, you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to sacrifice. Guy's a big businessman. Your children have got it made already, man. Literally, they just can do whatever they want. They just have to come back and just manage the business. It's a running business for, you know, two generations. And you're worried about your children? No, he's worried about his children for the Islam. Alhamdulillah. Then after a few days when he met me, he goes, you know what? That, your word shocked me. That is what I've been looking for in the sense that there's no other answer. There aren't, any, I mean, there aren't too many madrasas that are catered for, you can say, the upper class as such. So they don't feel like sending. But in England, it's all the same. Everybody's a similar class, man. Alhamdulillah, in English, the, the class system is not here. And now, 
you can study online. There are alim classes online. And he says, you've, he says you, you have to give the sacrifice. If our parents had not given the sacrifice, I wouldn't be here. And many of these brothers that have a, half, a thousand hufaz, if you go to Batley and areas of Bradford and Blackburn and Bolton and Walsall, I guarantee it is a thousand hufaz in there, hands down. You know, in just a few streets, there'll be like several seats, there'll be a thousand hufaz. Because they just did, and they, they're still surviving in this world, they're doing very well, mashallah. I went to a country in the Balkans uh, about three years ago, and uh, in this country, they've been there, Muslims have been there for longer than us. We've been here for about 60, 70 years, right? They've been there for about 300 years. But after the 1920s, when the Ottomans have to recede, they, they, were, they went through a massive problem, right? Indoctrination, liberalization, secularization, and so on and so forth. In that whole country, even though it's made up of 20 to 25% Muslim of the whole country, there's only th three Huffas in the whole country. Or was it five? I think it was three hafiz in the whole country. They've never done a taraweeh prayer with full Quran. In their, in their living memory. Maybe in the Ottoman times they used to do that. Because alhamdulillah now, since the three years, they've started a hif school. So by now, inshallah, they're going to have more. We are very lucky that these hif schools, they're everywhere. And if you, I don't know if all of you know the story that I was just told. Are you Abdurrahman? Masha, that's a cool name you have. <laughs> Right? It means the slave of the most merciful one. Rahman ka banda. Rahman ka banda. I mean, it's an amazing name. Some people say, like, what's your name? I say, Rahman ka banda. Because that's what I want to be, you know. Um, I'm not showing off. I'm just happy to have that name. I've got, uh, you took my name, right? So apparently this guy was sleeping every day at 5.30. I don't know how you did that. He was sleeping every day at 5.30, getting up at 3 o'clock or something. Right? And starting his come sunshine or winter, or did it change at all? That was it? Even on Saturday, Sundays? 5 o'clock, 5.30. Wow. Subhanallah. So he's started about at the age of 5 and you're 9 now or something? And he completed in 4 years. Amazing dedication. I mean, like, I want to sleep, man. I want to wake the kid up. That's tough. That's really tough because, you know, you have to have your own discipline to wake up a child at 5 o'clock. And along with that, he went to school and everything, right? He went to school normally, yeah? And he looks quite healthy to me, right? So, you know, not everybody has to do it that way, but I'm saying that you can. You can go against all of this. This is a miracle. The Quran is an absolute miracle. There's no other tradition in the world who have so many people that have memorized their entire scripture. There's just, that does not exist. That doesn't exist. People are shocked when, you, like, you know 800 pages from it. Yes, test, test me. They're amazed. It's just like, how do you even do that? How do you even do that? It's a miracle. But Allah gives those brains. And now for this guy, I know another half is of the Quran. MashaAllah, he's memorized the Quran. His brain just works. Amazing. So we, they got him to then memorize a whole 130-page dua book. That guy doesn't need to learn any more du'as for the rest of his life. Hawd of al-Hizbul A'zam. He's memorized the whole of al-Hizbul A'zam. That's, I don't know how many thousand du'as in there. He just knows them. You tell him to du'a after tarawih or whatever, the guy can sit there and do du'a for half an hour, no problem. Right? With the prophetic du'as. After that, 
he's, uh, he's memorized the whole of Al-Qasida Al-Burda, which is that wonderful poem. It's quite complex about the praise of the Prophet Then now he's memorizing other stuff. There's another kid up north. He memorized the Quran, he's memorizing Sahih al-Bukhari. I don't know how much he's done so far, but the last time I saw him a few years ago, he'd memorized quite a few, just, mashallah, he just rolls it off his tongue. Sahih al-Bukhari is about 7,300 hadith. He wants to memorize all of it. I went to a madrasa in Pakistan, in Karachi. They actually have two, they have three years of a Quran memorization course, then they have a two years of a hadith memorization course. They literally memorize, I don't know how many thousand hadith for two years. Our kids have that bit, and then they carry and do others. This is at a young age, they do this. It's not difficult. I'm giving you so many examples, so it's not difficult. Please open up our horizons and have a desire that I want this, this, and this. I want him to be the best of this and the best of this. And I've seen multiple success stories. We're just reducing ourselves to, I only want this, I only want that. No, Allah is able to give you what you want as long as you ask him. And you push it and you create the right environment, support, fortitude, steadfastness, lots of dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a goal. And inshallah, Allah bless all of our children. Allah bless every single child of ours. So inshallah, the next time, well, um, I don't want to say the next time, but um, inshallah, in a few years, we're going to have a hundred. This has to just take off. Okay. A hundred half is Wembley. Come on, man. A hundred half is, you don't even have a hundred half is, come on. I won't tell everybody, don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think we need to do that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give a tawfiq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this easy for us. Right, because if we don't know, we can't even try. But now we know that it's possible. Other people have done it, they're doing it. We're going to do it as well. And Allah will, Allah, Allah loves all of us. Allah loves every single one of us. He's just waiting for us to take his, take his, uh, take his call. So what we, uh, what we end with here is why we're here to, mashallah, celebrate this great occasion. But we need, all need to take away from here because we can't leave it all to, the, you know, to Abdul Rahman. Right? We all need to do something. And I think one thing is we're all going to decide that before we die, by the time we die, we would have at least read the Quran once with meaning. So that at least we can say, Ya Allah, we did check your email out. Your message out. Right? And I'm telling you, you'll get hooked. Once you start, you'll get hooked. Just try it. You'll get hooked. We started, the masjid was empty in the mornings. Because Zuhar is the first prayer of the day. So we decided to have women's classes for the stay-at-home women. In Stamford Hill, when I was an imam there, we started in 2008 or 9, 2009. So we've got, we got, I don't know, about 20-something students from the age of 17 to 70. Okay, some of them did drop out. The course was designed to be two years. A bit of hadith, a bit of aqidah, a bit of fiqh, a bit of tafsir, a bit of tajweed. Just a bit, so at least, you know, we get going. And after two years, they didn't want to leave. They were supposed to graduate, two years. They said, no, please, another year. So we got them additional books, syllabus, third year. After third year, they don't want to leave. They carried on for seven years. You get hooked because, I mean, come on, you're learning about your deen. You're actually understanding the purpose of your life now. You're becoming enriched. Your heart is becoming beautified. Your mind is becoming illuminated. What more do you, should humans desire for? MashaAllah, seven years. 
The only reason I think we had to stop is because we needed place for other classes. So this needs to be not just for our children, it needs to be for us because we need to be learning and learning and learning as we go on each time so that we are at our highest peak when we meet with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We've got our whole life to become more knowledgeable. <coughs> if we've stunted our growth by saying that we got enough, what we, you know, hum, we're sufficient Muslims by based on what we learnt when we were children, that's not good enough. We need to continue to read, continue to learn, not just random khutbas and bayans, right? But some in an effective way. So, uh, inshallah, um, if you don't have classes, there should be classes. I'm assuming there are classes. There should be more classes. And also now online, go to our, we've got a website called Rayyan Courses. Rayyan Courses. What that does is that it literally gives everybody access to the basics of Islam. There's one course on there called the Islamic Essentials Certificate. 20 short modules. You can finish like in a few weeks. Or some on fiqh, some on hadith, some on tafsir, some on Islamic history, some on aqidah beliefs, and, and so on. So by that, mashallah, you'll get a decent understanding of what Islam is supposed to be. Then you can take some of the more uh, higher level courses, inshallah. Take it at your, you know, at your leisure. Take it at your leisure. And... Uh, Stop it when you want. The shaykh is at your disposal. Right? Meaning it's on demand. So you can literally start and the shaykh is talking too fast. Slow him down. Speed him up. Tell him to read again because it's, it's all yours now on, you know, on the computer. So, mashallah, take that. Rayyan courses it's called. Right? Bayans are just for inspiration. Learning comes through proper solid learning. So Rayyan courses. And if you can get a physical course, it's even better. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala... Take Abdurrahman and everybody else here from strength to strength. And make us the best that we could be before we die. And then so that we can enjoy our meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah relieve the issues that our brothers and the oppression, absolute blind oppression that our brothers and sisters are uh, right now going through in Afghanistan. Allow our leaders to start getting some understanding and be honest and fair in their judgment and in seeing the truth rather than just following politicized motions and, and, and lines and things like that and just regurgitating old mantras. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give humanity back to the human being and Allah, Allah, allow, this, uh, allow, allow this carnage to stop. وَآخِرُ الدَّعْوَانَا أَنِ الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ نحمته ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم Ladies and gentlemen, esteemed guests السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Thank you so much for taking your precious time out to come and celebrate this momentous day with me my name, as most of you know, is Abdurrahman, and today I stand before you as a nine-year-old who has been blessed with the incredible opportunity to become a Hafiz of the Qur'an. It is with immense joy and gratitude that I share my thoughts with you today. <coughs> First and foremost, my success is only from Allah. Without Him, I would be nothing and could not achieve anything. I want to express my heartfelt thanks to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most merciful, for granting me the tawfiq, strength and guidance to complete this remarkable journey of memorizing the Qur'an. 
It has been a journey filled with challenges, but with Allah's help, Alhamdulillah, I persevered. I am also deeply indebted to my beloved Mulvisa. He has been more than just a teacher to me. He has been a mentor, a guide, and a source of inspiration. His unwavering support, patience, and dedication in helping and listening to me read the Quran and correcting my mistakes have been instrumental in my success. Mulvi Saab, you have shown me the beauty of the Quran, and for that, I am eternally grateful. I cannot forget the love and support of my dear mother. She has been my rock throughout this journey, providing me with endless encouragement, love, and understanding. She listened to my recitations daily and prepped me for my next lesson with Mulvi Saab. She helped me with my studies and prayed for my success. success. She would make sure I slept on time every day by 5pm and had enough sleep so I could go again the next day, early morning. Mum, your sacrifices and love have shaped me into the person I am today and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. To my family, friends and the entire community, thank you for your prayers, encouragement and support. Your belief in me has been a driving force, motivating me to give my best. Alhamdulillah, today as I complete this significant milestone, I am reminded of the early 3am mornings when I had to get up and read my work to Mulvi Saab in the mosque after Fajr prayer. Those moments were challenging, but they were also the moments that made me strong so I could succeed. I am also reminded of the dreams and du'as of my grandparents, who longed for a hafiz in the family. A special thank goes out to my grandmother, who made lots, lots of du'as at the hundred time for me, and most importantly, fed me her delicious halwa, that I absolutely love to keep me going. Many of you knew my grandfather, Muhammad Yunus Khan, the mu'azzin of this wonderful masjid, who I unfortunately didn't get to meet, but I've been told on numerous occasions by my dad what type of man he was and how he would always pray for hafiz in the family. May Allah grant him Jannatul Firdaus. Amen. Both of their hopes and du'as have been fulfilled through me, and I am humbled to have been a part of their dream. Even though I didn't get to meet my grandfather, there's a special person here in the mosque who always made me feel like I was his grandson. He always encouraged me and gave me lots of love, which helped me fill that void which I was missing. And this person is none other than our Amir Saab, Uncle Atola. Even when he heard that I was about to complete my hifs, he was the first person to congratulate me and bought me a cake and a present. Thank you so much, Uncle, for always being there for me and showing me lots of love. I also acknowledge, I also acknowledge the du'as of all my family and friends. Your supplications have been a source of strength, and I believe it was your collective du'as that made this journey possible. Your unwavering faith in me has touched my heart deeply. And then there's my barber, my biggest support. If it wasn't for him, I don't think I would be standing here right now. In 2017, when my barber was going for Hajj, he made a video to everyone in my family in case he didn't return. He made one video for me too. In the video, his only wish was for me to memorize the Qur'an before I turned 10. 
After watching this, I decided I will try to do it. So I started memorizing at the age of six, so my barber would be proud of me and I could fulfill his only wish. My barber didn't only just make the wish and sat back, but he helped me and supported me to learn. He firstly made a deal with me that if I managed, managed to finish the first juice, then he would get me a present. So I did and got my present. After this, every juice I finished, he would throw me a party and we would celebrate the achievement and I would get my present. I wasn't asking for small gifts, I was asking for so many presents, but he never said no to me. Just said I had to earn it by learning the Quran. This is one of the ways my barber motivated me. Not only that though, he also helped me when I would get stuck and couldn't progress in the Quran. Each juice I finished, shaitan would attack me and make me feel I couldn't do more. But my barber had so much faith in me. He would always encourage me through our talks and then he would go to make dua for me. I pray that Allah gives everyone a barber like mine. I hope and pray he gets rewards for every single word I read. And may Allah bless him and let him be with me for all my great days. As I move forward in life, I understand the responsibility that comes with being a hafiz of the Quran. I promise to carry the teachings of the Quran in my heart and strive to live a life that reflects its values and principles. I pray to Allah to keep me guided and connected with the Quran. And may I never forget why I've learned. May the Quran always illuminate my path and be a source of strength and wisdom throughout my life. In conclusion, I'm filled with gratitude to Allah, my teacher Mulvi Sabs, my teacher Mulvi Saab, my dad's motivation and support, my loving mother, my grandparents' dreams and du'as, and the du'as of all my family and friends. I am excited to continue the journey, the, the, my journey of learning and understanding the Qur'an, and I hope to inspire others to embark on this beautiful path. Thank you all for being a part, part of this special day in my life. Jazakallahu khairan. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل هو الله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يقل له قفوا أحد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل أعوذ برب الفلق من شر ما خلق ومن شر غاسق إذا وقب ومن شر النفاثات في العقد ومن شر حاسد إذا حسد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل أعوذ برب الناس ملك الناس إله الناس من 
شر الوسواس الخناس الذي يوسوس في صدور الناس من الجنة والناس بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ألف الكتاب لا ريب فيه هدى للمتقين الذين يؤمنون بالغيب ويقيمون الصلاة ومما رزقناهم ينفقون والذين يؤمنون بما أنزل إليك وما أنزل من قبلك وبالآخرة هم يوقنون أولئك على هدى من ربهم وأولئك هم المفلحون صدق الله العظيم اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين جزا الله عنا محمد ما هو أهله Ya Allah, Ya Allah, accept from all of us. Ya Allah, accept from Abdurrahman as well. Oh Allah, accept from all of us and Allah, accept and accept all of us. Oh Allah, for your Quran. Oh Allah, accept us all for the Sunnah of your Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Forgive us our delay in this regard. Forgive us our procrastination. Forgive us our excesses, our distraction. Oh Allah, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our wrongdoings. Oh Allah, forgive us our misconceptions and misunderstandings. Oh Allah, give us the right knowledge and give us the beneficial knowledge. Oh Allah, give us success in this world and the hereafter. Oh Allah, oh Allah, accept all of our children and us for the service of your deen, for the continuation of the knowledge of this deen and the transfer of this deen. O oh Allah, remove the oppression from our brothers and sisters around the world. O oh Allah, remove their oppression. O oh Allah, remove this carnage that is happening. O oh Allah, bring back insaniyah to the insan. O oh Allah, grant them freedom. O oh Allah, grant them their freedom. Grant them their dignity. 
O Allah, grant them their honor. And O Allah, protect all of us. And O Allah, allow us all to be accepted for the service of your deen. O Allah, bless the parents here of this child. And O Allah, bless the teacher of this child. Bless all the other support that was given from everyone else and the masjid. O Allah, make this a thriving place where many, many hufaz, many, many ulama, many sulaha, many qurra, many muftis will come from. And O Allah, they will benefit not just the surrounding areas, but inshallah, the whole world. O Allah, accept. O Allah, accept. O Allah, accept and grant us sincerity. O Allah, protect uh, our hufaz. O Allah, allow them to carry on to do many other things. All of our children here, O Allah, give them inspiration. O oh Allah, turn our families around so that they can become comprehensive families for the uh, success of this world and the success of the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun al mursaleen wa alhamdulillahi The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.